1: Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.
0: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com
3: This podcast is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. Currently, you can get free delivery on all orders over £40 and 10% of all online orders by using our code of takes that chance 10.
4: Jetsons there, Billy A goal, Chris Billy, Huddersfield Town. The most famous goal that Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2, Huddersfield Town.
5: In Steve Simonson's boots now
4: He's missed Steve Simonson Clears the frame of the goal And collapses in a heap of tears Huddersfield Town A promoter Christopher Schindler Has a chance to write his name In Huddersfield Town Legend
2: And he takes that And
3: Okay, good evening, and welcome to the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Uh, this past week, Huddersfield Town cemented their place as the Championship's version of a Muller yogurt team. Firstly, the t- team gave us the much-needed pleasure of a two-goal victory over Nottingham Forest, but alas, that feeling didn't last long as it was predictably followed up with pain as we saw a ragtag display against local rivals Barnsley, in which the terriers fell to a one-goal defeat. But at least the good feeling lasted longer than the fated European Super League, where this past week more football clubs released worrying financial reports due to the impact of the COVID pandemic. And the richest six clubs in English football responded by trying to drive a bigger wedge of inequality between them and the rest. Fan power won in the end, and as supporters are asking their clubs for more ethical accountability, Town responded with a questionable shirt sponsor for last night's game. Uh, Joining me, your host, Matt Shaw, to discuss these topics and more we have the Iceman, Brady Frost, uh, West Yorkshire Chief Sport Correspondent. I think that's your title. Something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Johnny, <laughs> Jonathan Buchan, and Huddersfield Town Cult Hero Legend. There's no mistake over that title. It's Ian Dunn. Good evening, everyone. Good, good evening. evening. Hey, hey, guys. How are we doing, first of all? Are, we all? are we all good? Dunny, after your little spell, uh, your little cameo behind the microphone as well at the weekend at Forest, uh, All good.
5: Oh, good. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoy it, Johnny. Was uh, I spoke to you on Monday, didn't I, Johnny? Yeah. yeah. About, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's, it's you know a little bit of a difference from going and watch some of the, the games that uh, York City watch every now and again. Um, so I get to see some big grounds and and see town, see how they're performing. It's always good to catch up.
1: And you're a good-look omen as well. And this weekend, you're back in place of Matt Glennon. So there you go, lads. Three points this weekend at Blackburn. Easy. Oh, <laughs> Feeling
3: no the pressure already. I've tagged that already.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> right, chaps, let's dive in. Nottingham Forest. So let us know online your thoughts about this game as well, and we'll read out a few points. Uh, Brady, if I could entrust you to maybe keep an eye on the uh, comment section, and we'll read a few yeah. out at the end if that's okay, mate. Thank you very much. Uh, right, okay. So uh, Nottingham Forest away. Uh, firstly, Town sprung a pleasant surprise, really, with the return of both fullbacks Harry Toffolo and Pippa returning, uh, as well as Josh Coroma on the bench. Uh, these are players we've really missed, uh, Johnny. From what from what you just as you're taking a drink, sorry. Just uh, <laughs> I'll bide some time, and then we can lay you back in.
1: I, I think I think they've been key, haven't they? Um, you know, Toffolo is for me one of the best left backs in the championship. Um, And and I think that's maybe a topic we can talk about later on and whether he'll still be a Huddersfield Town player next season in the Championship. Um, But he is certainly a player that you've missed massively, as as I think Coroma, who who obviously came back in the other night, is as well. Um, But just having them in their right positions actually also then benefits everybody else, doesn't it? Because you're not having to drag Lewis O'Brien into left back. You're not having to play Edmunds Green at right back. You know, it, it just gives you that balance and it gives you those players who can get forwards, but also have the engine to get back as well and, and help out defensively, which from everything I heard and read from the weekend from the Forest game was one of the main keys that, you know, it was it was solid at the back, but I also had that threat going forwards. And I put a lot of that threat from earlier in the season down to that partnership on either side, on either flank. 100%.
3: Um, so, Dunny, the, the game itself, Forest really sort of dominated the first 20 minutes and, and Town clung on a bit, but... I think Town showed uh, some decent mental resolve, really, to to keep Forest at bay. You would say during that first opening period.
5: I think you summed it up there. Um, when I was watching, you know, because obviously I, I see it, uh, I've seen Town on on the TV. I've only seen a couple of live games, obviously, same as everyone else. But um, that first, yeah, 15, 20 minutes, Town looked really nervy, and, and they looked like the team that had most to lose. And and Forest were playing a little bit freely. Um, I must be. I must be honest. For the first twenty minutes, I'm thinking, "Blooming heck, this is going to be a long afternoon." Because Forrest looked a million dollars, mm-hmm. Um, but it was more, more by virtue of I, th- I think you know, with hindsight and and as the game progressed, and in reality, it was it was Town's nerves. They were nervous and they were trying to play the ball around the edge of the box, which they do, and I'm, I know why they do it. I'm not keen on that myself, and I think I mentioned to Oggy during commentary that that kind of football. Also almost encourages the opponents on, especially if you're not, add a confident and B have the you know that the, the ability you need and the composure to do that. And and town looked really jittery, but Forest didn't take. You know they looked to be honest when they had the chances they were they were, they were hitting Rosette, It was it was it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were down to Town's mistakes, and I think once Town ironed that out. I genuinely town with a better team, really, for the majority of the game. And, and even though they capitalize on some forest mistakes, I think they deserve the win. They deserve the win just by the sheer attitude, the endeavor. Um and and some good football as well. I was particularly impressed. I know a couple of lads that maybe have come in some for some stick, but Dwayne Holmes, I thought, was when you see him when you see him there, uh, not just on a TV screen, you see the bits, don't you? When you when you watch him during the game, you actually see the acres he, he covered certainly on Saturday, you know, like I say, I've only seen a handful of games this season, and most of them on TV. But the acres he covered were vital because the unsettled forest, and it gave the other players, a, a, the other town players, the opportunities. So uh, I was, I was overall, I was impressed. But like I say, that first 15, 20, I was worried. I must have been. I was worried, but it it dissipated, and and town took over.
3: Mm, for me, I I thought town's uh, passing, uh, kind of. They almost passed Forest out, if you like. It was almost like a bit rope-a-dopey, if you like. So Forest first twenty minutes were looked very good, and then Town sort of took the sting out of them a little bit just by keeping hold of yeah. the ball uh, and got themselves back into the game. And I agree, I thought Town were the better side after that opening twenty minutes, and uh, you know that that tactic worked well. So you know, fair play to to Carlos uh, and the, the team for that certainly. And and one player that I've I've been trying to single out a little bit for for praise in the the last. Uh, the last wee while, and um, I put something on Twitter, I think, about this and that. He's probably the most improved player for Huddersfield Town in 2021, and it was great to see Aaron Rowe get his first league goal uh, for Huddersfield. I thought he was really impressive over the two games as well, uh, against Barnsley as well. I think he's been really impressive and he's really kicked on in 2021. Um, Dunny, it's the first time you've probably seen him in the flesh, I would imagine, for a while. Yeah. Uh, how do you think he got on?
5: I thought it was fantastic. I, I was saying it was it, Holmes and him, uh, either side were absolutely fantastic just sheer effort but um also some good football some good ability and um i think they held because it it was almost like they defended from the front like you know it's, it's a cliche isn't it but they defended from the front and the nerves that town seemed to suffer like you say town then started to outplay them a little bit forest and then they defended in in the forest half so our our strike our attackers were we're, were stopping Forrest, um building any sort of momentum. And then you saw Forest buckle a bit, and it was it was sheer effort, effort, and then good ability with the goals, obviously.
3: Mm. Brady, you've, you've obviously, uh, in the preview show, so we've got, uh, no, I've got the messages up already in here, and uh, the first one that came in is from El Bubio. He says, good evening, enjoy the preview shows this week, Brady, good work. So well done, Brady, for keeping, Thank you for keeping that up. Uh, and one thing that you've said on the preview show, uh, last week, uh, I think when I was on it with you, uh, you signalled out Aaron Rowe as a key player as well. Um, you must be really pleased as well, because it, it, you know, Huddersfield's academy is very different to what it looked like a few years ago. Uh, that's a completely different debate. But there's ten, there tends to be not many better things than you see players coming through your own academy and then starting to flourish like that.
0: No, definitely. And I think um, you know we'll talk about tactics. I think it's been said by a few of us on here and another podcast. We look a lot better when we're in four-three-three, like we played against um, Forest, and you know. Rowe is a winger who I think the reason I sing, singled him out was because he he wants, you know, he, he's direct. He wants to take on people. He wants to get forward with the ball. And um, it is great, I, you know, and I think um, <laughs> the actual finish was a great finish. I thought he'd actually taken it too wide at first, but, um, you know, really confident. I think it, was, it came at a great time because like, like um, Johnny and Ian have said, First 15 minutes, Town were a bit ropey and a bit different to what we have normally seen. With Town, you know, in a couple of games we started well and then kind of fade. Um, but yeah, re- really pleased for Row. Um, I think you know uh, we'll look back on this season. It's not, you know, still still got it to play, um, but it's not been a great season. But I think one of the positives has been the young players who've come through. You know, Schofield and I would come on to to They didn't have the best game, but before that has actually you know been in a, a lot better uh, I know me and you were calling for him to go Rose I'd add Roe to that Edmunds Green as well you know there is there is some positives from this season um, and you know for me Roe he, he he deserves to start every game at the moment.
3: 100% and another player who finds himself at the at the end of quite a lot of criticism I'll throw this to both Johnny and Donny at the same time as well a player that you've both seen a lot and Probably, Dunny. If you had any hair, you'd be pulling it out because this guy sends you absolutely crazy no, sometimes. Is Janino Bacuna? Yeah. He's, yeah. He's yeah. Um, he, you know, we've seen two sides to him this week, and we'll talk about the the Barnsley game after. But we saw the good side against Forest. I thought second half in particular, uh, end of the first half, second half, we saw a really good performance from Janino Bacuna. He's finding uh, really smart angles for uh, for passes. He's uh, he's working. He's worked pretty hard for what he does, uh, and we saw uh, a. A pretty, I was going to call it a special goal, but probably a, a very decent strike on him. I think some people have questioned whether Rice Samer could have done a bit better and possibly maybe. But the power of the shot really took it through. But it just um, really bookended a really decent performance from Bakuna Bacuna, And this is what we want to
1: see more of, isn't it? Go on, Gunny, you saw the game at the weekend. You can comment on the weekend's one and I'll talk about him last night.
5: Thank you, Johnny. Thank you. Uh, <laughs>
1: um,
5: yeah, I mean, I'm aware of Janinho Bakuna and he's his got his detractors, hasn't he? And he's got his fans. And Just he, a but, few, yeah. Yeah. He, he strikes me as one of those players that is probably the modern day footballer, unfortunately, the, the, the kid that's maybe got a lot of ability. But there's a reason he's at Huddersfield Town and that's no disrespect to Huddersfield Town. He has got a lot of ability, but if he, if he doesn't apply it properly and, and he, he only does it when, you know, maybe that it's sunny or, I, you know, I'm just saying this from, from what I've seen, um, then that's why people get annoyed with him. Because to be a really good professional football, and, and I'm talking, you know, way above my abilities, but you'd know that the, the best players work the hardest. It's as simple as that. You know, the, the best players put the most effort in. Um, and you get the feeling that he's got all the attributes, everything in the box to 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 be a top, top player, but maybe there's just something lacking with his, his, his application. I'm not sure. A little bit at times, he looks, you know, infrequently on Saturday, but his head was down a little bit, a little bit moody, a bit grumpy. You'll be able to tell me better, guys. But I think you nailed, so yeah, nailed him so that, far.
3: Yeah, absolutely nailed himself. so That's the
5: kind of player, I think, you know, it's easy to say when you're here watching, you know, I'm in my, in my living room, whatever, and I was at Forest on Saturday, but he looks like the kind of lad who... He'll go through games and he'll meander through them and he'll do a little bit of magic, maybe just enough, and then he disappears or, or he'll go put a grump on, or, you know. And to be brutally honest, if you could have the Janino Bacuna, who was fantastic on Saturday for even 80% of the season, which is what you would expect a team that's going to potentially, you know, challenge to get promotion, you need everyone, at, you need eight out of 10s just about every week. Well, if he's a five out of 10 some weeks and a nine out of 10, one every four, it's no. It's, that's no good. Not for a team that wants to do well. And that's why you, you struggle. It's as simple, it really is a simple, it's an easy analogy, but if you're going to challenge, you need players at seven, eight out of 10 every week and they throw in a nine or 10. Not ones that are five or six every week and they throw in a nine every, you know, every month. And I get the impression that, you know, without being too nasty to the guy, I don't know him, but he, he looks like that kind of player to me that on his day, I hate when players, people say on oh, his day is brilliant because, you know, he probably got more days when he's not on his day, you know, and mm. I don't know if that's being harsh. You'll probably put, you know, tell me, but that's how I, that's, that's what I see. I saw the best of him on Saturday. In fact, if I had only seen him on Saturday and never seen him before and not listened, you know, heard and read about him, I think he's a world beater. You know, at times he it, it looks fantastic. Simply it really does. But I can see the grumpy side to him and, and that's, that's, a, that's an issue that only managers can solve. Well, only to be honest, only he can solve because if it's in there, you know, he's got the physical attributes, he's got the skill. But if, if in there, he only turns it on every now and again, then you've probably got a little bit of an
3: issue. Have you come across players like this before when you've been playing, not necessarily at town, but it could be anywhere. And what was the solution really to, to this? Is it just a case of, letting them move on or does it eventually click for, for any of them and, and then get more performances out of them?
5: I think in my time really, you know, at, ta- at Town we were quite lucky that, you know, we were maybe, maybe I think we'd all admit weren't the most gifted of, of players, you know, we, we had to work hard for, for any rewards so we didn't really have any of them in the camp but I don't think Neil Warnock would have players like that in the camp. He'd soon root them out. You know, he would. Um, there's maybe a couple in his early days that he felt—I uh, wouldn't name names because they're fantastic players and went off to have great careers. But for him at that time, they weren't his Huddersfield Town players, and they soon went. Uh, you probably guess what I'm on about. But I know you, know, what you mean the lads that went on and, and had brilliant careers. Don't get me wrong; they were fantastic players. But for Neil Warnock, he needed—he needed—he preferred a lad that was that would give effort every week than you know your superstar um and what is the answer i'm not sure it's it's it either the, the player it'll dawn on the player when no one comes knocking on his door or they sink they, they go you know and, and and everyone's writing stories about how good they could have been mm. um but yeah it's, it's down to the player
3: the manager can only do so much mm. uh, go on johnny sorry for cutting you off your
1: I just think that you mentioned it earlier, Dunny, and you said, you know, he's got all the talent. You know, does he have the work ethic? There's the old saying, isn't there? And I've seen it on a number of training grounds walls that if if, if hard work beats talent, if talent doesn't work hard, is the old saying, isn't it? You know, and, mm-hmm. and I think it's exactly a case of that with Giannino Bacuna. Um, he has the flair and the ability, but in my opinion, in the bottom end of the championship, you can't carry someone like Giannino Bacuna. This weekend, if he plays this weekend, it'll be his 100th appearance photosfield town he's scored 12 goals I think it is um, that's not what you want from Janino Bakuna and I'm not saying he's going to be someone who should be scoring one in two one in three but he should be scoring more than 12 goals in my opinion in the role that he plays for that town side and that that in itself says to me that he waltzes around a lot of games and I've seen it I've seen him waltz around games and I've seen him vanish absolutely vanish from games and you, you can't have that in your side if you're going to be a competitive team, whether that's the Premier League, Championship, or anywhere else, uh, you know, on a weekend up on the park, you, you can't have it, particularly at the professional level, and particularly if you're in a relegation fight, which Towns still technically are, I don't think any of us think they'll go down, but still, you're still in that position. And and I just, I can't see a way for it clicking for him, you know, he's not going to be here at the club, is he? let's be honest, he's going to be moving on. Um, and, and I just think, it's such a, a shame and a waste. He'll probably go on and have a, a very profitable, financially profitable career, you would have thought, and will probably play for a number of other clubs. But will we ever see him go and play at a higher level than where he's been with Huddersfield Town? I would be very surprised at that. I'll be honest, very surprised.
3: Yeah. Uh, tell you what, before we move on to last night, uh, Brady, do you want to read out some of the the comments on, uh, on YouTube? I think we've got one or two.
0: Yeah, um, so just uh, James Dyson was saying uh, Roe looked man of the match um, and uh, El Bubio also said uh, really composed from Roe to score his first goal. Uh, James Dyson also said Bakuna has been consistently in the team lineup for the last three seasons. and In those seasons, we've been relegated in bottom of the championship. Um, So it's a fair point. I think I just add, um, I can see him being better at a different club. I think it's, like you say, we... given how bad Huddersfield have been in the past couple of seasons, you're, you're absolutely right, Johnny. We can't have people like Bakuna to, you know, be nine out of 10 one week and then five out of 10. Um, I think we'll come on to Barnsley and the new players, the players coming back in our key, that's been. But the only thing I would say that's been really helpful for Bakuna is that he's just been injury free. Like he's, he's played so many games and not really broken down and, You know, when you think of all the injuries we've had at town this season, you know, partly because of the training, but also because of the pandemic and the condensed fixture schedule, that's the only thing I'd say is in his favour. But I really wouldn't be surprised if he um, did go on to be better somewhere else. I just don't think it's going to happen at town. There was those links with Rangers. Mm. Um, He does seem to be more up for it when I don't know what he feels like it. But particularly when we're on Sky, I think Hartrick might have, David Hartrick might have pointed it out, but just seem to be up for the games where there's, you know, something at stake um, and, and, you know, to move, move away from uh, football, you know, you look at elite players, like obviously there's the last dance documentary with Michael Jordan and he had to make these narratives for himself that it was yeah. always against someone. And you, you do wonder if that's maybe Bakuna, you know, but with, oh, well, there's something to play for in this because people on TV are watching, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. That's yeah, the Michael Jordan stuff. is. And he made them up, didn't he? He literally made them up to himself, did Michael Jordan, about people dissing him in former, you know, former games. And that was his motivation the next time he came up against those teams. It was all made up in his own head. So, yeah, maybe Bakunin needs to do that. Maybe he needs to make out that every other midfielder he comes up against has called him something in the past. And he might might give him a bit of motivation.
3: (laughs) I think he's been called enough things already by a couple of South fans. (laughs) But definitely, yeah. Uh, So, Town had three and a half days to bask in the glow of uh, their third win in 20 games before Barnsley came to Town. Uh, let us know in the, the comments as well about um, about what you thought about the Barnsley game. Uh, initially disappointing to lose Toffolo and Pippa after um, after they came into the side, uh, but pleasing to see Josh Karoma back in there as well, Johnny.
1: Yeah, um, and he put himself about the Karoma as well. Um, he's certainly somebody who... The club need to make sure they keep a hold of and and try and build around you know with the players that they're going to bring in. It's a very going to be a b- very busy summer. It needs to be a very busy summer, doesn't it? Let's be honest. Um, and and he definitely put himself about. He's certainly been missed. I think from the side and that electricity that he has. I don't think um, I don't think last night's game really suited him in many ways. You know the ball wasn't in. Wasn't sticking up there, was it, with Sonogo, um, which is what it needs to do in that scenario. You know, had Fraser Campbell been in there, it might have been a different scenario, I think, last night. But we you know he was he was obviously out of the game. Um I think that when you look overall last night, they started okay. First half was, it was real ding dong, actually, wasn't it? It was, I think, I think I described it as Hearn against Hagler the first half. You know, the famous first round between the two heavyweights that was like one of the most famous first rounds has ever been. Well, I'll be
3: honest, it felt more like that Henry Ackin one day fight where he, <laughs> where he got thrown out for holding.
1: <laughs> I, I didn't think the first <laughs> half was that bad. I thought the first, yeah, I mean, I think Barnes were the better side throughout, but I thought the first half wasn't that bad. I thought second half, town fell apart. They really did fall apart, and it was all Barnsley in that second half. You know, if it wasn't for, for Nabi Saar, then it would have been a lot worse, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. He made a couple of goal line clearances and a couple of very, very decent blocks as well.
3: Yeah, for me, the Barnsley changed a little bit. I think when DK came on, yeah. Yeah. Um, that definitely sp- spanned the game. He's uh, a very good player, and you can see why he's, he's really highly regarded. Uh, for me, Barnsley's front three pressed us into mistakes uh, at the back. Um, what that really what really happened from that was that we were unable to to gain a, a real foot on the ball and we were mm-hmm. unable to pass through the thirds into into midfield, which effectively took our game plan away or, or took our our strength away, if you like. Uh, which is credit to Barnsley more than anything. Uh, people have given Barnsley a lot of stick for the style of football they play. Um, it's not not amazing to watch, but I think from a defensive point of view, it is quite interesting to watch how quickly they get. You know how quickly they're they're very much in your face. You know,
1: um, wasn't as bad as I, I expected impressive. it to be. You know, no, some, yeah, because everyone said the same going into it. You know, it was oh, not pretty to watch, but I didn't think it was as bad as they made out.
3: No, I, I think I think part of it is because it's Barnsley. I think if it was Watford or someone more glamorous playing like that, people would be yeah. a little bit more respectful of, of the mm. opposition. And and to be fair, Barnsley to me, I think the the two centre backs they've got are very good. Hellick and uh, is it Anderson the other one that they've got? Yeah. Uh, I think they're very good defenders at this level, and I think Barnsley have have navigated through a, a pandemic transfer window, if you like, very cleverly and very well. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for where they are. And, and for me, even though they're a local side and a bit of a rival, I I hope they get promoted. I, I really do. I, I, I would really like uh, Barnsley to get promoted and just sort of stick it to the to the ones that are giving them a little bit of unfair stick for me. Um, so for me, that's that's the way the game panned out. Um, it was attritional, shall we, shall we say. Yeah. Um, a bit of a throwback in many ways, but Barnsley, second half, fully deserved that win. Uh, town, like I say, did fall apart a little bit. Um, but really, the, it's it goes back to uh, some of the problems I, I think we've got uh, at the back, uh, Dunny. Maybe that Richard Keogh's come in, uh, and I think Richard Keogh done better than a lot of people are giving him credit for. Uh, but maybe we don't have someone leading at the back that can keep it together. Consistently, if you like, uh, Richard Keogh sort of does does a job, but Nabisai, you've got someone who, who wanders a little bit. He's very good at what he does, but he wanders a little bit. Ryan Schofield's very green in terms of in terms of goalkeeping. He's not overly confident at coming for the ball, and that's where you need a a real fearsome leader maybe at the back just to keep hold of keep keep you know people tight and together at times. And uh, I think potentially that's maybe somewhere where Town have lacked this season. Yeah, um, I
5: would agree. From like I say, from what I've seen. I was alarmed that first twenty minutes against Forest. It was actually Keos Kyo Keogh was very loose with some of his passes at the back there, it was, it was, yeah. as if they were either uncomfortable doing it or they just weren't capable of doing it. And you know, I can only hark back to that to to sort of emphasise my point that they made they made they made Forrest look better than they were, but they made themselves look really nervy. Mm. Um, but we also talked actually on Saturday about the leaders, and straight away Jonathan Hogg comes to mind, doesn't he? He's you he can see he's a leader. He's he's back in orders. He he leads by example. Um at the back, trying to think who are the leaders. toffolo has got a bit about him. Mm. Um, Keo, I would have expected, you know, the career he's had, he's and he's had a great he's had a fantastic career. He's a bit, you he's know, actual, a, yeah. a very a decent player. Um, I would maybe expected a bit more from him, but you guys will tell me yeah, he, he, he did seem he didn't seem like a, a natural leader on Saturday. I don't know why. Um, but you're right, Nabi Saar's a bit green, but he's he's not a bad player. Uh, I think he's 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 going to be quite uh, well. He's going to be a, a good player, I think. But um, yeah, you're right. There wasn't there not you know you expect a dominant centre half or teams that do well tend to have that dominant centre half who not only makes his own players think about what they're doing, but you know the opposition will know who he is and they'll, they'll be a bit you know wary of him. Um, and that is maybe something that Town need to address. But you know if if they've got real designs on challenging for for, for you know. The up recons of the league. I think they need a few more leaders right through the team. To be honest, you know, yeah. Saturday proved to me there was, like I said, there was Hog, and you know, to be brutally honest, there was Hog probably who's um, who's who shone out, but he does every week. He, is he is he so dominant that the rest don't look like leaders or not? I, I'm not sure, yeah. um, but it does need, and it doesn't need to be someone taking the lead. You know, as in as in com- competing with Hog. But just you need a few of them in your team who who all share that workload, that share that sort of leadership role. And um, and maybe that again is something town could could solve by a getting a really dominant centre half in and one that, that leads by example as well.
3: Do you guys concur with that? Especially sort of at the back. We've got obviously we've got Schindler is, you know, has been out for, for time. Probably we might not see him again. Very it'll be a very sad day if that. If that's true, Richard Stearman's probably. I don't really want to see seen better days because he's younger than me. But you know, <laughs> he's he's probably not quite what, where he was a few years ago. Potentially, although he's not done a bad job either, uh, on on many occasions. Do you guys concur that you know maybe a real forceful leader like on the preview show, uh, somebody picked Andy Morrison. Phil Phil Senior picked Andy Morrison, didn't he? And you know, maybe you're looking at that sort of dominant force at the back, who's really going to drag other people with him. You know, and okay. his perform- you know, like David Beckham when he was the the captain of England, people always said it was his performances. You know, where he led through his performances rather than his voice. And maybe we need a little bit of both at the back, where you've got that dominant figure who who leads both in voice and in performance. The only problem potentially with that is uh, probably sounds a little bit expensive, doesn't it?
5: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, they cost about seventy five million pounds. <laughs> know.
3: Yeah, the guy at Van Dyke at Liverpool is not one of those <laughs> <laughs> things. Yeah. <laughs>
5: Yeah. Lewis O'Brien, I felt he looked, he looked like a leader as well on Saturday. He, he was, yeah. you know, trying to get involved. He was, you know, it's not that they're all quiet and they were all, you know, he just, sometimes you need one, more than just one to stand out.
3: You, you know, think that- it's a symptom of modern football as well, doesn't it? Because a lot of, you, you tend to think a lot of them are quiet. A lot of them sort of the headphones go on and they do yeah. tend to be a bit more head down than maybe what there were 20 years ago, where they were out in the local towns, you know, at the forefront of dancing on the bars and what have you. A lot of them can't, can't... Oh, do that. <laughs> well, you know, a chap called Andy Booth, I've heard a few stories. But, uh... <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you don't quite get the same sort of characters. And I think it's just a symbol, you know, symbolic of society maybe as well. And maybe people do lead in different ways and maybe people do need to lead through performances. And I think Lewis O'Brien's one. Definitely don't know who leads through, who has led through his performances in the last yeah. couple of months, certainly. And he's, I think at the makings of a a, a real leader there. Um, Johnny, tell us about. I, I don't,
1: I just don't think it's about an individual leader though. I think there's a, there has to be a collective holding yeah. to account of each other as well. You know, it, it's not about signing one guy or playing at center half or bark at the rest of the back line and those in front of him. For me, it's it. the whole point of what Carlos Corbran should be trying to do and has been brought in to try and do is to create this unity and this team that play other teams off the part because they're greater than the sum of the parts. You know, you get more out of all the individuals that if you put them in other teams, you wouldn't necessarily get that out of them because of the system works so much. But the way that that does work is if everyone holds each other to account for it. If everyone goes, when we go and then we lose it, why yeah. haven't you come back? Why aren't you in here? Why aren't you in that position? Why aren't you doing that? And and they argue back with each other. That's what you want to see. You want to see players holding each other to account, not just one person, in my opinion, in this system, in this setup at Huddersfield Town, not just one person going, do this, do that, do the other like a Hoggy or someone like that. It has to be each player is accountable to the rest of the team. But that's what's kind of happening, isn't it? Hog- yeah. Hoggy stands out so much. Yeah. yeah.
5: The rest, you know, what are the rest doing? You're right. Yes. He's, he needs the load sharing. And I think know. it's a
1: bit of the problem that, that some of them know that they're going in the summer because the contracts mm. end. Some of them will want to go in the summer, if we have been perfectly honest mm. about it, a couple of them. And other ones will get a choice. They'll be told they're going in the summer. You know, so I think, that's, I think that's part of the problem. You don't have that team unity if you know, well, I've got three games left next to this guy. So, you know, mm. who, are you, who are you to call me out when I've got three games left?
3: You know? True. Yeah. Mm. I was going to mention that as well, Jen. I think it's a really good point. I think another... Another point might be as well, Donnie. Have you because because Town tend to play this man marking system in midfield as well, which I think we've struggled with this season. I was just going to ask you if you've ever really been assigned into a team whereby the midfield man marks and tracks runners, you know, so effectively like Town does, and if you know if it's as difficult as what you know people say it is.
5: Well, to be fair, when Mick Buxton came in, when when Ian Ross the team was struggling a little bit, they brought Mick Buxton in in ninety. Show me here, ninety three, um, yeah. We, yeah. Good days, yeah. I think Buxton brought that discipline. It was a discipline, wasn't it? So he had a he had a very solid 4-4-2. And, and I, I was I found myself that was probably my best season at town, really, for the amount of games I started. And um he drilled into me that the fullback was my man. So and I was playing on the right wing or left wing sometimes, but mainly the right wing. The fullback was my man, and we used to do um all morning training sessions which set up and basically called shadow play, where he'd set up with his four-four-two. And we would basically have this, oh, someone's gone. We would have this formation, and we would stick to our positions, and then he'd bring the, the reserves in and right you're, he's your man. If he gets away from you, you failed, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the winger was the fullbacks man. It was very, very sort of crude. It was a simple tactic, but we were letting him in shipping goals, you know we always were winning games, and he was his first priority was to stop us being such an easy touch. And his idea was right. Well, we'll stop the opposition playing. Before we can even start thinking about outplaying teams, we need to stop the opposition because we're getting getting hammered all all over the place. So he, he was really clear and obvious what he wanted us to do. Um, but as for man marking, I mean, you then get into the realms of the tactical geniuses, don't you? Because and, and players that need to that know, need to know how to do it. Because you look right through the Premier League, you know. It's easy to say man marking, but how many times you watch a corner and the the you know, you know the best managers in the world have a man marking system and still girls go in. So it isn't easy. It isn't easy. It, ultimately, you can the manager can ask his players and, and instruct his players what he wants them to do, but it's still one v one at a stage in a game. And if if your opponent's better or fitter or stronger or gets a little bit more look, so many you know variables that it, it can follow like a pack of cards. Um, so tough. I, I've, I've probably not answered your question there, really. I've, I've gone around I the house because I don't I think, really I think, yeah. answer it. <laughs> it's a it's a tough one because it, it ultimately, like most things, it boils down to the players.
3: Hmm. I think I think what I've noticed is that the the opposition midfield do get a lot of shots off, a lot of unmarked shots. You know, the Billing goal, for example, for Bournemouth. You know, where Jonathan Hogg runs to the second man and nobody then follows Billing is. It, it, there's a lot of chances coming like this. And I'm just wondering if it's due to the sort of technical difficulties they're having with this, you know, this sort of strict man-to-man system. Um, but yeah, you did you did answer it effectively because, you know, it's a difficult system to play. And, yeah. you know, and, and and the thing is as well, I suppose, there's a trust aspect as well because, you know, you, you look at the Bournemouth goal and Hoggy decides to double up with Roman Edmonds Green because he's having a struggle with Dan Juma and then nobody then... You know, get steps into the space which Hoggy has left, and, yeah. and Billings free for the goal. So you know, I suppose there's a trust aspect, and it goes back to what you said as well, Johnny, about players potentially not being there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bakuna I thinks getting some slating as well in the <laughs> in the in the comment section, and Cosy's wading in as well in the good old good old <laughs> Um So yeah, so it, you know, it's an inter- it's just for for someone who likes tactics like me, I find it quite interesting. But well, fantastic, Donny. You, obviously, you need to pop off. At some point, I've got, so just
5: maybe 10 more minutes if you want me. Um, and turn always,
3: to mate. Always, or you can just
5: darken my screen out and shoot <laughs> me out of their way. No, we'd
3: never do never do that. <laughs> uh, but, Johnny, tell us about the um, speaking of speaking of Bakuna, tell us about the the other side to uh, to this uh, flawed maverick, shall we call him? Um, the goal Barnsley scored, uh, it wasn't great, was it, really? There's three there's three sort of different aspects of this goal that firstly you know the free run the guy has down our right hand side you know which is yeah. pretty much unmarked the ball into the middle for me Janino Bakuna is favorite to get that but he there and this goes back to what Dunny says as well to, to clear that ball he needs to get kicked or he will yeah. get kicked and yeah. he doesn't want to get kicked so he no. pulls out and therefore it leaves an overhead kick for DK and some town fans will remember a, a chap called Simon Davies who played uh, for Huddersfield Town on loan from Man United in 1996, and there's a, a famous three-all draw against Bradford where Chris Waddle scores direct from the corner in, in the mid-90s. They went three-nil up, all from corners in that game. And on the first corner, Simon Davies stands on the outside of the post behind the goal rather than on the inside. And it, and poor old Dwayne Holmes we did too, exactly didn't that. He? Yeah. And it and for me, it just brought back memories of of Simon Davies stood on the outside of the post. Not that that's what technically what Dwayne did, but. It had shades of it, if you, yeah, if you like. I, but just, it, just tell around, us about that frustration there.
4: All around,
1: it was poor, wasn't it? All around, let's be honest, you know, the bowling was far too easily in, into the into the area. Um, the way that it actually got through to where DK was was soft as well. I mean, he finished, you have to give all credit to him. The way that he managed to move his body and get into the position to do it, to, to pull that off, you know, the overhead kick was fantastic. You have to give him credit. But you're right. If, if it was a Kio in the position where, uh, Bakuna is Keogh's throwing anything at that every single bit of his body is getting thrown at that Nabi is throwing every single bit of his body at that but Bakuna's not going to do that I and mean, we know Bakuna's not going to do that it's, it's, not in, it's not in his makeup, sadly is it because it's not his role either if we've been perfectly honest a lot of the time that's a very rare situation he'll find himself in so you can maybe understand it Dwayne Holmes is, he's, does, he's neither used an ornament where he is you know he needs to either be closer to the ball doesn't he trying to, to get something on the ball or he needs to be on the post and he needs to be, you know, doing his job on the line. And he doesn't do either of those jobs, which makes it absolutely negates the purpose of him being there. And that opens up the opportunity, you know, for DK to do what he does. Like I say, good finish, but really soft goal, I thought. When you watch it back, you maybe don't see that first time round, actually. First time round, you just sort of go, wow, how has he finished that? That's excellent. And then, obviously, we have the benefit of the little TV, the TVs in the press area. And it comes through again. And me and Matty looked at each other and both just pulled a face. And I think Matty went, "Arms." Oh, oggy's still describing it and Matthew just looks at me and goes holmes where's holmes you know and and then we obviously go and say exactly that on air as well because he's not really doing what he should be doing in that role
3: no it's it's a it's a strange one and something else which is probably not doing what it's doing and brady will bring you brady's had some internet issues there but he's on 4g (laughs) now and he's all wired and back in the back in back in action aren't you if if we wondered why brady hadn't said anything for a while uh one shot on target and it was a bit of a, a nothing shot really as well wasn't it um it tells a sort of bleak story, and town, you know, take you look at the results this year, haven't been great. Like I say, three wins in 21 now. Uh, we haven't scored more than one in a game a lot, let's be honest. I haven't got the stat in front of me. We did that two weeks ago, didn't we? we we're not scoring a lot of goals, we're not creating a lot of chances. Uh, it's becoming a real problem area, isn't it, for, for town at the minute, which obviously could be alleviated with Mbenza, Karoma, et cetera, coming back. But since the turn of the year, goals are getting harder to come by
0: yeah i mean sorry just I'll, I'll jump in uh i've got that super league Wi-fi so uh it starts off well but then it like, falls under um, but yeah to get it had to good, get it very in. good very good um i think to be honest it's not just been this year though it's been it's been for a while town you know chance creation problems you can even go back to the premier League and you know, didn't score many, you know, even under Wagner, a bit similar to Barnes, Barnsley, only winning by a single goal. Um, it, is, it is really concerning. I know we had a couple of games where we'd score, you know, more than two. You think of like the 4-3 defeat, <laughs> you know, that's typical town, score three goals and still lose the game. Um, it is a concern. I think you can put, like you say, Caroma. Um, We weren't expecting him to be so key to us this season, but obviously his injury. Um, but it's not, you know... It's interesting because on the previous show I was talking about Danny Ward and uh, a few people disagreed with what I had to say. Um, you know just whether few. he's been a good, just a <laughs> few, yeah, um, <laughs> whether he's been a good sign or not. I mean he's been in he's been injured, so you, like I, I don't think you can say. Based on what he's done on the pitch, you know whether he is going to be a good signing or not. I think the injuries are a concern, but you know when he's played, for example, someone who is known to be one of the better finishers at the club, he's been in the seven nil defeat or the five nil defeat when he's basically playing with the second team. Um, it's it's a it's a big issue, and um, I don't want to keep. I don't want this to be a bacuna bashing, but. Um, you know, Bakuna for me, when he's in good positions, you know, you, he'd be the person you kind of expect to make the right pass and he doesn't. And I think that's kind of throughout the team. Um, you know, Holmes didn't have a great game in this game. You know, the the kind of getting away from the the shot for DK's goal kind of sums it up. But it is a real concern. And, you know, that's something that needs to be addressed in the summer. I think um, there's <laughs> there's a lot of issues that need to be addressed in the summer and that could be a four-hour podcast. But, you um, that that's the real concern for me. You know, it doesn't matter if you have <laughs> doesn't matter if you have Lendowski up front for town. Like if he's not getting a service, we're not going to score.
3: Guys, he only played thirteen minutes. The first time he's played thirteen minutes since since mid December, I think. Uh Carol Lighting came on and immediately changed changed the game. Dunny's got a similar cat to me, Ragdoll.
1: Yeah,
5: <laughs> look at that
3: thing. Huge! A sealmit ragdoll. I've got the same same type of cat. Yeah. There you go. I said
5: Hello. Sorry about that, guys. The, the <laughs> yeah, door was right. closed, but this ragdoll—he's
3: a big lad. He can barge it open. Yeah, negotiate
5: doors. Yeah, right. But yeah,
3: quality. <laughs> quality. Uh, yeah, Carol Lighting. Um, he's, uh, he's not Boogie the name or of, of dunny's cat, but you know uh, yeah. he Broly. came on. <laughs> <Broly. laughs> It's
5: called Indy. Sorry. Sorry.
1: Oh, my God.
3: <laughs>
6: yeah.
3: Yeah. Anyway, uh, Carol Heiting, <laughs> Denise's uh, cat. Excellent. Um, we saw that, we saw potential straight away, you know, that the first pass he did almost release somebody behind, behind the defense. When is the last time we've seen somebody play a defense splitting pass to put somebody in one-on-one? I can't remember as, you know, there's probably a few, but I can't remember any off the top of my head. And immediately he made an immediate difference. And it, it's a case of really, if he's fit, could do with playing him, <laughs> really, couldn't we? It's going to be a str- a stretch to get him fit, but you know how how good was it to have Carol Eiting back? And I'll throw that out to any of you who want to uh, pick that up.
1: I I thought he was great when he came on. Um, we'd seen him the last couple of games, actually, the last couple of home games, sort of making his way up the stands, hurdling the the seats, and I was a bit like, oh god, you just had knee surgery, don't go hurdling those seats. But clearly, he's a lot closer than we thought he was uh, to being back. He, do you know what he had? He had energy and he wanted the ball. And there was a few times he dropped in between the centre-halves, played that little square ball to the centre-half, drawing the striker to chase it down, and then pointed and said, play it into the space there and I'm on it. And a couple of times they did. And, And then he's advanced 20 yards with the ball and he's got to the halfway You know, he is somebody who does have that zip and does have that real quality. Will he be back at town next season? That's another question, isn't it? You know, will, will he be able to come back to them again on loan? Um, he's not played much this year, so you would have thought that they were looking to get him out again, and there's no reason why they wouldn't want to send him back to somewhere he's clearly enjoyed his time. Um, so, hopefully, he will be, but he's, yeah, I think he, I think he could be He could be a very key player for town moving forwards, if they do manage to bring him back.
3: Mm, 100% agree with that. He, you know, you look at and they've got Alex Moat, you know, mm-hmm. not not like for like exactly, but Alex no. Moat's got a good left foot. He can he can pass the ball around, decent shot on him. You know, if, you know, if Barnsley don't go up and Moat's available, Huddersfield won't get him. But mm-hmm. somebody like that is, you know, is the target really, you know, to, to bring someone in. And uh, Carol Lighting for me, he comes back next season if there's, if there's a small opportunity. I think Huddersfield have to pursue that. Uh, mainly what's the most disappointing thing of it, though, Johnny, for me was that just before he got injured, it looked like he just got up to the physical demands of the championship as well, you know, in terms of you know shoulder to shoulder body you and know, and he was starting to brush people aside and I thought, you know, and I were was, I was making jokes, you know, uh, you know in our WhatsApp groups and stuff going we need to need to make sure we agree a price as soon as possible with Caroline yeah. in January because he's just clicking in the championship and then it's a good job I'm not chairman because he's you know his knee goes and you know you'd look to <laughs> it'd have been a bad decision but even another Umani ass
1: yeah
3: yeah exactly poor uh, poor old Umar. Uh, but yeah, so um, Barnsley. Uh, so after that game, Dunny, uh, um, for me, I think we all probably think along the same lines. Have Huddersfield done enough? Do you think to to stay up now, or do you think there's maybe uh, another uh, point or two needed on the board? I mean, it
5: yeah, it have to be. I mean, you don't wanna, you don't attempt fair, do you? That the, the but truth. The, but the truth is, that I think the other teams have just got too much to do. I think Town that win on Saturday was so important. Um, Came at a good time as well, you know. Rotherham were, they're a little charge, haven't they? The last few weeks, you know, they've, they've picked up a few points, but they Very needed town to lose. They are yeah. so
3: unlucky, Rotherham. Yeah, yeah.
5: They needed town to lose, and, and town didn't. I, I think town have done enough. Think, you know, Touchwood. Mm. Um, you know, barring any disasters, they should be uh, in the championship next season.
3: I still remember 2001, and I think at, mm-hmm. at one point Huddersfield were, were about five points away from being relegated with two games left and still managed to get down. <laughs> so uh, four points, I think it was. and Scrap that last five minutes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah it's I, a lot, I, to I, I still, yeah. lot to play for, a lot to play for. I still remember Ben Thorne missing that chance away at Wimbledon, which would have made us safe with one game to go, and then we still ended up getting relegated by... Curtis Woodhouse that that day and uh, uh, nice. yeah Trevor Francis had recalled Peter Unlove from us early in that season and Peter Unlove was making such a difference and he recalled him to swap him uh, with uh, Curtis Woodhouse and then Curtis Woodhouse came back we struggled for goals and Curtis Woodhouse relegated us.
1: What wasn't it
2: about five that
1: results that day? From? Four five results that day had to go in the right direction for town to go down. It was uh, Portsmouth.
3: Yeah, yeah, Portsmouth beat Barnsley because Barnsley fielded a a youth team. Not that we can complain about that considering Blackburn, you know, the other year. So, you know, fair enough. Uh, They lost 3-0 and obviously you get 46 games to get yourself safe. Mm. Uh, Crystal Palace had to beat Stockport as well. And I think there is Grimsby as well in there that needed to get something. And uh, Crystal Palace beat Portsmouth in the last minute through Dougie Friedman, and it's the most blatant handball you'll ever see <laughs> by, Doug, by uh, David Hopkin in the middle of the field. He, he pretty much catches it and then releases Dougie Friedman, and he scores. And last minute, and Huddersfield are down in the, the last minute. It was... Uh, it was cruel, and it took us eleven years to to get back to the second tier from that. So it was. Uh, I'm still bitter, Johnny, because I had to watch Town <laughs> eleven. Really? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. you know, I'm just I looking at to-
5: the table. Uh, I, you'd be more you'd be more rude if you are Derby, wouldn't you? I'm just looking yeah. at the table now. You know, Derby, Rotherham have got Derby in the sights. It's one of them two for me. I think Town have done enough, and you know, there's no reason at all if if Town can't continue. Particularly the way last Saturday, they could go and get points at Blackburn.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely.
5: Yeah, there's, um, there's definitely so, yeah, yeah. They oh, <laughs> said,
3: said it said yeah, it. Yeah, he said it. Did, the in done stamp of safety approval. Oh, yeah, All seriously.
5: There. I mean yeah, After
3: <laughs> Photoshop, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <stuff>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brady, do you want to uh Dunny, you feel free to jump out anytime, but Brady, do you want to uh read some comments uh, from uh, from the, <laughs> the the Bakuna comment section, we'll call it this week. Uh, well it's it's
0: changed uh because Coz has got involved. Um he's makes he a lot sorting of things. Bouncer, bouncer. <laughs> um yeah, so a lot of people talking about the goal, Sarah Holmes more at fault Bakuna. Uh so that's from Dan Hem, not sure about that. Mm. Uh but I think everyone made a mistake there. We've all we've all pretty much agreed. Yeah, um, you could you could
3: th- point fingers at a few there, yeah.
0: For yeah, sure. we're just not very good, Matt. Um, <laughs> Phil <laughs> Phil Marshall says Holmes is a bit of a scapegoat at the moment, but he's far from being our worst player. Um, I, I kind of agree with that, to be honest. I think. They yeah. um, did, did well
3: on, like Dunny said, they did well. Uh, first 20 minutes aside on Saturday, uh, when Dwayne moved to the left hand side against Forrest, I thought he'd actually had a decent game. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah definitely. And, um, you know, he's not he's not a right wing back and he's been playing right wing back. I think, like, True, yeah. of course, he's going to put in a poor performance. And Barnsley did target him uh, last night, to be fair. Um, yeah, uh, James Dyson fought for Hubs a good left against Forrest, started well against Barnsley, but after 30 minutes, it all went downhill. Um, Nick B this is a good point i wanted to mention cuz i just didn't get a chance to jump in about iting Vallejo and iting are the only two decent passers of the ball we have in our my opinion it would be great to see them on the same side completely agree with that i think um just to, i know we've covered iting but no coincidence for me that um our best run of the seasons when iting was playing well and um james uh, actually on our previous show for blackburn you can go listen to that now little little uh, plug there um <laughs> James made a good point, like, fantastic player. We knew what we're getting with a player from Ajax and ball carrying ability, but the injuries are a concern. You know, he's 23, he's not made 100 appearances yet. That's the only thing against him. But I think, technically, and what he brings to the team, absolutely getting back next season because there's not really anyone like him. Uh, yeah, I'll. What else? Uh, Vallejo hugely underrated. That's Albuvio again. Uh, we look so much better with him in the team, and we created so many more chances before Iting's injury. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, v- Vallejo has been out, hasn't he? Uh, injury for last two mm-hmm. games. I don't know if he'll be black back at Blackburn, but um, I, I, I would get him in.
1: Yeah, it's concussion for him, isn't it? So he's he's lost a bit of peripheral vision, according to uh, Carl's call which is a little bit concerning. Um, you know, concussion protocols usually 10 days, and it's been quite a bit longer than that now, hasn't it? So he's not allowed to head the ball as it stands at the moment. Um, so he's certainly not going to be back anytime soon, you wouldn't have thought, probably not for the weekend, if he's still in a position where he can't head the ball. He was there, he was at the game the other day, he was stood on the pitch having a chat with Carol Heighton ahead of the game. So he's there and he's in and around. Um, but obviously, they have to play it incredibly careful when it comes to something like concussion. If it's, I think
3: player welfare is definitely important, yeah. isn't it? Because you you hear some stories from uh, from you know when Dunny was playing. You know, uh, Darren Bullock was telling us a story about how um, he had an injection in his, I think it was his heel or his Achilles, and it made me wince at the time. You know, and and player welfare is obviously yeah. you know must have moved on drastically mm. from from then. It, it seemed to be to. You know the Neil Warnock days, and not not specifically aimed at Neil Warnock or anything, but it seemed like back in the nineties, yeah. it was you've got to get these guys out on the pitch without a sort of thought for the consequences long term. Maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah. whereas whereas now I look at Alex, you know, and you think if he's got any sort of problem, just you know, four games left, just look, let him sort it out, and then you know, yeah. extend his contract for next year in twelve months for me. And but uh, you know, I'm sure I'm sure there are some stories still, you know, whereby player welfare is not. Maybe been adhered to in some places. I, you know, I'm just just speculating. But for me, player welfare has got to come first. Uh, Alex Vecos, you know, especially you can't really mess with a, you know, a, a potential brain injury or anything like that. You know, well,
5: 25 years ago, they just took a needle and cortisone. has been fine.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's frightening to be honest, isn't it? There's there's like it little is, things. It is
5: every every week there was someone getting a cortisone. Yeah, I've had I've had them in my feet, my knee, and my groin. Um, they're not. It's not pleasant. But it gets you through a game. It did get us through games. Um, But yeah, the knock-on
3: effect was maybe not a long, long career. You know, I would imagine those with knee injuries and and whatnot. You know, you look at um, Tom Cowan, maybe. You know, and it'd be great to get Tom Cowan on the podcast one day as well. And I think he's on. uh, He's on with Boothie. I think tonight potentially last week. Yeah, Um, you know, the housewives' favorite, wasn't he, Tom Cowan? (laughs) Everyone's favorite. Yeah, yeah, he was a great guy, wasn't he? (laughs) But you know, you look at him, and you know his knee injury. You know, he, he had a bad knee injury at town, had surgery, and I remember him in his book. You know, he was saying, uh, you know, he had a book, didn't he, in the nineties, and he was saying yeah, how mm-hmm. it was out how the physios had him out cycling forty-five miles or something the, the yeah. day after the after having surgery on his knee. And you just think yeah. that doesn't sound great—a great idea, that you know. And uh, yeah. and he was. I think everything's
5: has changed, has not it? Ch- you know, yeah. Well, though, but even training methods have changed. I mean, uh, when I was out into Chesterfield, and we used to do six-mile runs, you know. Yeah. You know, footballers, footballers have never been sort of, you know, workhorses. They've always been sprinters, really. And mm. that analogy is, you know, the, the the work rate footballers went through in them days, even when, you know, in my days when I'm thinking back, Chesterfield, if he didn't play on a Saturday, he did a six and a half mile run after the game, up and down Dale, you know, on concrete. Um, I'm pretty sure they don't do that sort of run now. It's It's all short, sharp, and, and, getting your heart high rated.
3: intensity training isn't it In a high yeah, intensity interval yeah. training is, isn't it which, we're doing which
5: is that. what you think about it that is what football is yeah. all about you don't just run at one pace for 90 minutes you yeah. are stop start left right up down um but you do enough of them six mile I can guarantee I can vouch for it because I didn't play many games at Chesterfield <laughs> so I did a lot of six mile <laughs> runs believe you or me and uh yeah, it, me. It, takes to- it takes its toll on your body it slows you down it makes you heavy So. Uh, yeah. That's my excuse, uh, yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So too many six-mile runs, that was my problem. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, so um, this past week, there's been a board update. So Phil Hodgkinson, um, it was his turn to uh, step up and offer some words. Most of it was, I, I felt, was a rehashing of, um, of news, really. I'll, I'll run through some bullet points, and if you guys want to jump in with anything on this, feel free. But this might be something we can skip over quite quickly. Uh, you know, in his uh, his thing, he mentions the utility sponsorship, sponsorship which we've covered. Uh, season cards we covered last week as well. Um, I'm not sure what the take up on that is at this moment in time. I don't think I'd like to see the figures, uh, judging by the uh, the temperature on social media. Um, he very excitedly said that uh, the football club will take control of the stadium, which will allow us to drastically improve the match day experience. Um, I can't say too much about this, but I've been uh, working with someone from the HTSA on an idea as well. So maybe keep your eyes. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your
1: small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me.
5: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cozzy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium. You're right near the pitch. Great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win... Order now on the Mcdonald's app
3: at participating restaurants eighteen plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com. dot uh, com eyes peeled on something something there uh, he again unequivocally backed Carlos Corberan. so anybody speculating as to whether Carlos will be sacked now or end of the season seems completely fruitless to me fills uh, all eggs in one basket he's Carlos in hundred per cent so and he's the man that makes the decision so it's not really it doesn't really seem to be up for any any topic. Uh, he mentions mistakes of the past, which is good uh, in recruitment and uh, new recruitment I'll need to fit the model and the ethos better uh, going forward, which is, you know, town story for three or four years. Uh, it financially, he says, we're doing better than a lot of other championship clubs. Uh, and one thing he, he mentioned at the end is uh, a one club mentality, which soars through uh, promotion in 2016, 17, and certainly in 94, 95 with uh, Neil Warnock, everybody rowing in the same direction. Um which I would imagine is something that will be hard to read state at this moment in time. So guys feel free to pick up on anything there um, that of any points of interest. I know I skipped through that quite quickly, didn't I? <laughs> but maybe, maybe while we gather our thoughts, Dunny can tell us what a, uh, uh, you know, a one club mentality can do and how important that is to, uh, yeah. to get, to get the lads over the line.
5: Yeah. I think any team that has success has that, No togetherness, that that team bonding. You know, there's the odd team that are just so good that it almost doesn't matter. But, you know, at this sort of level, maybe maybe premiership's different. Well, no, it probably isn't. Right through football, if you've got a team that are prepared to go through a brick wall for each other, work hard uh, and add a little bit of ability to that as well, you're going to have a really good chance. And um, that's, it's, it's, you know, it's an ingredient that Mr Warnock seems to get right more often than not. And lots of managers try and copy it. And, and the ones that get it right tend to have success. It's, it's, it's easy to say, but it's harder to implement because, there's so, again, there's so many different variables in a squad of 15, 16, 17, 20 players, whatever it is, to get that bonding, to get that togetherness, um, to not be too jealous of if, if your colleague who's playing and you're not. So many things come together and, and you know, know your place in the squad, know, you, know where you fit if you can get all them ingredients or or a lot of them ingredients in at the right time, you're going to have a little bit of success, but it doesn't take much for the rot to set in. You know, you could have two or three bad eggs and any manager that goes into a club has to work out who those are. And if you can sort of shunt them or get more from them, you're probably, you're probably going to start seeing a little bit um, better performances, but it's, it's, that's why managers get paid up. They get paid because, and the good ones are good at it because they work that out pretty quickly.
3: Uh, I'm judging by, well, go on Brady. You've got something that you want to jump in with. Uh, yeah, just,
0: just with the update, I think um, it was one of the better ones. Um, I agree with you, Matt. I think a lot, a lot has been um, said before, but um, we just need to see action now. You know, we won three games in, in 21 with, you know, in, three and 21 games in That's the this crux, year yeah. um you know it's all well and good saying about these good things we want to do and acknowledging mistakes i think that is good that they've acknowledged mistakes um because previously they've been a bit reluctant to but we're just it's a huge summer um i think i say this on every podcast it's a massive summer people going out people going in i think the excuses are, are, are running out um you know i'm not saying covid hasn't pe- played a part in a, uh in the club of course, it's played a part in many clubs, you know, um, but it, we need we need to see action because, you know, it's we, we haven't won that many games. I mean, I, I was speaking to the Blackburn found, you know, they're fully Mowbray out and, you know, similar to us, had a terrible second half to the season. Um, I think it's still a bit, I think it tells you a lot about Huddersfield Town that, yes, some people think Carlos Martin be the right man, but also a lot of people think it's not his fault. Um, and I think that tells you everything we need to know. So... It's a huge summer. Um, I know you were asking me about Corboran, but I think he needs to be given the summer um to bring in more of his players and well, you know, then I think we can judge him because it bears repeat it bears it worth yeah, it's worth repeating again. Um but this has been a crazy season. It's his first one. Um I don't think he's done everything right, Corboran. Um, but you know, it's been a mad season. and I think we'll look back in, in time and realise how crazy it was. And um, we did have key injuries, again, because of his training methods. But it's all about the summer. It's all about next season for me. Um, and we need we need to see the board support that so we can have a good season so we can sell season cards. Because, you know, Dunny talked about it. But when we have the fans on side, you know, I remember when we were in the Premier League, people talked about that atmosphere. You know, that atmosphere is so crucial to town. Um, and the only way that we're going to get that back is... Seeing it, seeing good performances on
3: the pitch. Here, here. I think for uh, for that section, I think that nicely uh, finishes that off. Well done, Brady. Uh, so, European Super League uh, is the next item on the agenda. I'm aware of the time, so uh, we will uh, take a, as long as you as, as long as you guys are ready. You know, we'll, we'll we'll continue on. If you guys need to go, then we'll we'll wrap things up quicker. Uh, right. So, European Super League. It's um, I, I'll, I'll level with you, chaps. I, I don't really like the Premier League. Uh, without town being in it, I've struggled to watch it now for, for a number of years. Uh, the financial disparity throughout the, the media bias, the narratives, the way that a generation of football fans have, have hooked this into their veins and some of it feels like, feels to have been conditioned or some of them feel like they've been conditioned to regurgitate the words of those on Sky about how great it is uh, despite a lot of these fans being priced out of what <clears throat> excuse me of what they want to see, which is, which is live football. Uh, so I found it quite amusing, really, how Sky took the moral high ground, if you like, on on the ESL uh, when they're as responsible to me, when they're as responsible as anybody for, for creating this monster that we see before us. Uh, now, if you let in oligarchs, billionaires, hedge fund managers, equity investors, etc., what do you think is going to happen to football? You know, where do you think the future of football is going to go if you let these people in? Um they push, they push, they push. And if you base football completely on success and promote success and champions only, which Sky do, what, what are your, what and who are your foreign markets and investors going to want to be associated with it? Uh, the English Premier League, thankfully is more competitive than, than other top European leagues. You know, you, you look at the Premier League and you'll probably think, okay, one of four or five, if you take Man City out of the equation for now, uh, can actually do something in this at the start of a season. Uh, but for but for me, um, this isn't really acceptable to to the top six, uh, you know, or the big six, if you like them. I don't think they find Leicester, West Ham, etc., up in the top four a good thing. Um, I, I I suspect the top six want to maintain or guarantee this this status quo. And for me, this isn't sport. Football currently has very little integrity at the top end for me. Uh, the top six planned the big reset, which had Rick Parry in cahoots. We, you know, we don't forget that. Uh, they wanted to be able to veto owners who may challenge. You know, We've seen the Newcastle thing with Saudi Arabia. There's probably a bit more to it than, than goes on there, but they want the power to veto people coming in and, and challenging them, which, again, can't happen. Um, the top six planned the EPPP system and bullied the football league by threatening to withhold solidarity payments so that they could take – the most talented youngsters in the country for peanuts. Um, Again, cherry picking the the top six I'm led to believe is behind the new Brexit rules on transfers, which effectively hamstrings clubs like Huddersfield Town from competing. And what we're seeing, in my opinion, is a complete monopoly at the top of the game. And it's time that, for me, for supporters, now start to fight back against uh, the owners and people that are starting to run football in this country because I don't like the direction football is going in. And if football continues to go in this direction, I can find people, or I suspect people like myself will just go, do you know what, I've had enough. And then if people do that, the fans stop going to games. Where does football go in this country? And the feeling I have is that the owners of those top six don't really care about people like me, don't really care about people like you. Um, so I'm, I'm worried about the future of the game. And I, I support the 50 plus one model, um, the work that football fans Europe do as well. And for me, I think it's time. And we've shown what fan power can do. We, we saw, you know, I drove past. Uh, my my wife made me take it to Primark at the White Rose the other day, so I had to drive past Elland Road when you know before the Liverpool game. So I saw people protesting. I I could have gone on the motorway, but I actually wanted to see what was going on. Uh, you know, so we've seen what fan power can do. We saw Liverpool fans what they what they did. You know, Liverpool fans were in presence at Elland Road as well, which was which was good to see. So we've seen what football fans can do and what football fans can achieve. And I think. Football fans rest on their laurels too much sometimes, and I think they've maybe been blindsided a bit by what they've they've seen on Sky. But I think now it's time to see, or, or, or effectively time to uh, show or tell football where we want this to go, rather than them dictate to us. This is how football is going to be in future. And I'll shut up now, and you guys can discuss the rest of the European Super League. It's a bad idea, is what I'm saying.
5: Terrible idea. And, and the bottom line is, I, you know, there's so many different. Reasons for it being a terrible idea. Everything you've just mentioned there, which but Florentino Perez runs Real Madrid into the ground for the last twenty years. He's spent an absolute fortune, an arm and a leg. He's mismanaged his, his finances disastrously, and they've had a lot of success. And they love that the, the grandeur of winning umpteen Champions Leagues, don't they? But it's cost them, and they've been bust before. You know, the, the government bailed them out last time. Um, on the
3: training ground and giving it back. On the nothing. training ground, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah.
5: yeah. So the, the guy, I mean, I don't know if you've seen him on on you know TV today. He, he looks like a desperate schoolchild trying to get the extra pound off his mum. He's, he's unbelievable, and because I think he's worried that his legacy will be, he will be the one that, that ran Real Madrid into the ground financially, because they're on you know. And to say that the competition isn't there, there's not no great glamour games. Well, if you stopped buying. Real Valladolid and Zaragoza and Cadiz's under twelves or whatever it is and getting them into your academies and maybe some of them make it but most of them don't. If you stopped cutting off the uh, if you if you cut off the supply line of young players into that Spanish league, then you're always going to have Real Madrid and Barcelona. And it's the same with our top six. Liverpool sign a fifteen-year-old from Derby. There's got to be rules in place where that doesn't happen. You know, Man United signed a kid for for, for thirteen, a thirteen year old from from I think it was I think it was even something like West Ham. You know, they couldn't even keep these. These are kids, and and then they complain that you know that maybe the competition isn't great, or the football, the quality isn't great. But if you're signing all these young kids through at a very young age from other teams who could maybe have progressed these lads, then what do you really expect? Um, but that's just one element of, of this whole thing. I think that the, the top six chairmen or the owners of the clubs have, have just been pure greed. I mean, that's that's the overriding thing. They've, they've seen the pound signs, but there's, footballers are no better now than they were 35 years ago. You're not telling me, you know, uh, Ronaldo's any better than Pelé or George, but, you know, it, it goes in cycles, maybe different kind of statures and phys- physiques and that, but football is still just about the same product. It's about beating each other. Um, and you will always have teams that float to the top. But the beauty of the English game is that teams have a chance and that it, this, this Super League was taking away the element of chance. Um, now, it doesn't happen often. You know, Leicester booked the trend, didn't they? But by taking away chance and the arrogance of 15 teams playing every season, but five, yeah, you can come in it. But you know you're not going to stay with us. You can go back to your own league next year or whatever it is. It's, it, it, the, the arrogance of that is unbelievable in my eyes that they expect you know it could be Ajax Ajax they've won a, a won team Champions League. we will invite you in for a season but the 15 above you that doesn't really matter where you I don't know how that was going to work out there's 15 teams who aren't going to go anywhere but you might have to go back into the uh, to the Dutch league sorry it's never going to work I can't, it flabbergasted sorry I've got my high horse there. Oh, Johnny
3: Johnny, the beauty about the beauty about supporting a football team is that you can dream, you know, like Donny said there, he's talked essentially about competition. And the beauty about football is I, I believe Huddersfield Town can get back to the Premier League. Hmm. You know, it's you yeah. know, people look at yeah. me and go, nah mate, you're on, you know. <laughs> but There's but by the same token, I'm I I think Huddersfield Town can get back to the Premier League. If this happens. You know, I I think one day, you know, given a fair wind, Huddersfield Town could, uh, you know, have a decent cup run. You know, they haven't had a decent cup run in my lifetime. I think the last time we had one was was Wimbledon, wasn't it, Donny? You know that that one which was on FA Cup. Probably, yeah, sorry, Donny. <laughs>
5: Every with time two, Alan Hansen actually noticed who I was, <laughs> but how naive <laughs> so I, realized, I was! I realized, I realized giving the ball I'm away in the corner. Jeez. <laughs> he used to like but, him,
3: but you know, the, Huddersfield Town could achieve something. You know, given hmm. the right conditions for me. You know, you look at a lot of teams in the Premier League and the narratives we had to suffer when we got there were, were, were terrible, I thought. You know, f- for essentially Huddersfield on a fraction of the budget of Brighton and Newcastle, um, you know, achieved something really special. And when, and I thought, genuinely thought, you know, the romantic side of football, people would celebrate that Huddersfield did this against the odds. And when we got there, we were treated like lepers, essentially. You know, it was essentially turning up to a party where nobody wants you and kind of answers the door and goes, you shouldn't be here off you go and that was essentially the premier League for huddersfield town and that filtered down to the supporters of all the other clubs it filtered down to social media and i just found the premier League a bit of a miserable experience especially when we were losing a miserable experience <laughs> As, you know the losing obviously made it more miserable he's already
5: SLS like park on the first game of the season but
3: yeah, yeah but, but but the best thing about being in the premier league was getting to stick it to you know <laughs> to, yeah. To, yeah. to people that was the best thing about being you know beating manchester united At Huddersfield. Amazing. You know, that's the first time that had happened for something like 60, uh, since the, you know, for a long time, it was, it was, you know, 50 years or something. You know, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the Chelsea games and stuff like that. But I don't want them to be an outlier. I want to see that again, you know, in Mm. in my lifetime. And it feels like if they bring in this jeopardy, you know, or lack of jeopardy in the game, I'm never going to see that. Or if I do see that, it'll be against Liverpool B, you know, where yeah. Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, etc. They're saved for, you know, the, the big games, you know, during the week. Or maybe they move those to Saturday in Dubai and then we have to play, you know, you're under 23s and you look at it and they, they were thinking of bringing in teams from Brazil and all sorts, you know, potentially and, and yeah, okay, you know, there's part of people look at that and they'll go, oh, do you know all the great sides against each other? But to not qualify for it and to not earn the right to be there other than having lots of money, it really just, the whole elitism of football really sticks in my throat. That's what the whole thing in the Premier League, it was the elitism which really stuck me and really was the ugly side of it for me. And this is just a, another layer on top. And for me, you know, if that ha- if that happened, me and football are probably done, to be honest. It just, it just feels that way, although I don't want to turn my back on my club. I think, I think I, that I,
5: was the flavour of the,
1: the fans right throughout the, the country. The fans united, didn't they? I, I, I was surprised at how surprised people were by it. Um, you know, if you, if, you give, if you give your sport and if you give your club up to hedge funds in America and yeah. Russian oligarchs who are only in it for yeah. profit and money, that's all they're in it for. Are you surprised that they then, particularly the American owners who come from a world where franchising is the thing? That is what American sports are. There isn't relegation. You're either a super player and a super athlete or a super supporter in America because there's no tier system. You know, you might go watch your college team and they do get like 80, 90,000 for your college teams. Fair enough. But the only reason they also get that is because they want to watch the next, you know, yeah. Tom Brady coming through their their college team and then, you know, follow him on to go and play for whoever he goes and plays for. They don't think twice about demolishing a stadium and moving a team that's been based there for however many years 250 miles because it's more financially beneficial and there's a, a better area that they can move it to and make more money out of over in the States. I don't think anyone can be surprised by this. John John W. is a, a disgrace in in my opinion in terms of the way that he also then came out and did this very, in my my view, very stale, fake apology. Yeah. Um, You know, my response to that is get out of our sport, mate. You know, off you go. Um, But I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think just having the audacity to do it, the club should be punished. And I don't think that should be financially punished because I don't think that hits somewhere it hurts. I think there should be, for a season told, you don't qualify for Europe next year. You know, if if you didn't want in the UEFA Champions League, don't come in it. Next year, you're not in it. Tough. A year out of it, and then we'll reset and you go again. You know, we know for horrible reasons, British clubs were banned from Europe for many, many years. It's, it's not something that hasn't happened before. Um, so I don't see there's any reason why they, they shouldn't punish them on that front of things. Uh, I think that I think when you talk about the, the finances and the dream that everybody has, you know, I, I've seen, I've sat and watched a Champions League semi-final in West Yorkshire. And I've also sat and watched that same team playing on minus 15 points in the bottom of the third tier. And it's all part of the journey. That's all, all part of the journey, great though, doesn't it? It is. It, it yeah. absolutely is what makes it great. It's all Because you all appreciate that Champions
3: League semi-final because, uh, half as much as you would if you hadn't yeah. been through the 15 points thing. Yeah. I, so I, I, was on,
1: I was at Ellen Road on Monday night. I was covering the game on Monday night against Liverpool. And I could see, still in my mind's eye, Lee Boyer hitting the shot against AC Milan in the last minute where Dida drops it and it goes into the back of the net in the rain. I could see that still in my head because I witnessed it. And to think that that would be something something (laughs) of the past, something that would never be seen again for anyone other than those clubs that were selected to go into that league is an utter disgrace. Utter disgrace. and just shows real disdain for the sport, for the country, for the fans, for the people. And if you you don't get it, you never will get it. And if you don't get it, you shouldn't be involved in it. Off you go. See you later. Yeah. ready the, ready
0: throw sorry yeah sorry i'm gonna go on a bit around as well but i think i think the thing is for me that was so shocking about it was how we don't care about this because i think if you look at stuff in general um and how like societies going and businesses and stuff like that they want you to like a lot of the marketing is, well, we want you to think we care. So you look at Nike, like they're getting behind movements, like, and that's a positive thing. And it's great that these brands are getting behind it, but it's because they want to sell more stuff. I think the Super League, it was doomed to fail. And don't get me wrong, the Champions League, again, that's another podcast, the reforms that might be a Super League eventually anyway, but, you know, they want you to think they care. This Super League, they just didn't care. They didn't care. They didn't consult the fans. They didn't consult managers. They didn't consult players. You know, football, as much as you want to drill it down, you need fans and you need players. You know, um, it's just crazy um, that they didn't think it wouldn't work. And uh, the, I mean, you can get into loads of things, but you touched on it there, Matt, like people criticising Huddersfield for being in the Premier League. If you have this Super League, there's going to be a Huddersfield Of the Super League, probably Tottenham, but like you know, (laughs) um, true. But that that, that's the farce of it. There's always going to be a whipping, a whipping boy in the league, you know. So the fact that it's trying to create more competition isn't ridiculous. Yeah. I I, I think the thing that upset me the most. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think one of the things that upset me the most is like when Chelsea were, you know, had a thousand fans outside and they were they were pressured to pull out and they did. I think the damning thing is they were reluctant to do it in the first place because they didn't need the money, you know? And that's, that's the thing. Like, whereas you look at, and Donnie made a good point about Real Madrid, they're in loads of debt because of themselves. Barcelona are in loads of debt and that's why they're still pushing for this. But, you know, the fact that Chelsea Man City don't need this because, you know, you've got an oligarch or a Gulf state, you know, looking after your finances, it's ridiculous. But the only, sorry, to just kind of sum up my point, this needs to be a starting point, you know, for change in football. I know, hey, uh, Hoseville Town Sports Association of campaigning for stuff like that. But this needs to be a turning point because, Johnny, I'm not saying this to have a dig at you, but Leeds would the foot- earn it. If Leeds were in that position, they would have taken it. If Everton were in that position, they would have taken it. I think if there's any... I, I town think probably got, would have as well. To be town say. would have, yeah. I'm, that's the only reason these okay. teams are mine about it. I it
2: know. I know, York City would have, would have definitely. Think, definitely. yeah.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you, could, you could go all the way through the Football League. And even, yeah. you know, the reason that other clubs kicked back against it was because they weren't involved in it and they were left out of it. Of course Absolutely. it is. And, but but having, having said that, and I know what you're saying about the, you know, earn it football is for the fans, they had to do something. They, oh, to, they, they couldn't sit there silently that night and, and they had to do something about it because the world, the eyes of the world were on them and what was going to be the response from other Premier League clubs and the first example of that was on the Monday night football against Liverpool and they had to do it. Now, should they have offered the T-shirts to the Liverpool players ahead of the kickoff as they did, which didn't go down too well, probably not. It's a little bit naughty um, but they had to do something and I think I think you have to say as well, you, you mentioned HCSA, you have to say to the United Supporters Trust who got a plane short notice yeah, flying over the ground with no to super league hanging off the back of it fair play fair play to that because if you want anything to to get on television and <laughs> you're going to yeah. catch attention a we. plane whizzing around yeah exactly
0: the only person who's upset the super league isn't happening is those plane companies because you can imagine how many of them we'd have between yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. what
2: they're
0: going to do
1: excellent
3: yeah. excellent so um, uh just just for you guys sorry brady if you if you still go and keep going
0: no no i think i think that's it you know that's the only thing i would say like this is not this is we've won we've won a battle but the war is still going on they're still going to come back it'll come back in a different guise and you know i think you can think about a lot a lot about what you want to do i think the teams in the big 6 involved that you know they're Chief execs or whatever need to need to resign. Edward Wood, Wood stepping down, um, claiming he you know he didn't want this in the first place, whatever. Um, you know this needs to change because, like you say, we, we've talked about it for years. The the gap between the Premier League and the Championship is becoming huge. So when a team from the Championship does go up, it's such a task to stay in the Premier League. You go for you know look at Norwich going from winning the league to clinging on for dear life and getting relegated you know with a bit of a whimper and that's what happens to most teams and yeah. that's why we need to dilute the money down so it goes into these leagues so it's more competitive and it's you know grassroots is better this is this is needs to be the starting point for change
5: mm-hmm. so Is it, the, we- just to play devil's advocate and this is probably another discussion um and i know i was going half an hour ago but it's 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 <laughs> really interesting and fortunately my wife said she'd give me a warning that uh, we're ready to go and she hasn't come up yet so we're all right but um um i mean, yeah probably totally going off the case here, but we're all football fans and we all support you know our teams um and you look throughout the premier League for example the top six there's a there's a demand on them to go out and sign the best players in the world that money costs that that them those players cost money not just the transfers the agents' fees, the wages are probably the, you know. There's got to be something happens. I think that's what Brady were, you were touching on that you know these players we're all complicit because we all want the best. Yeah, you know? I, I, you know Liverpool, if they go and sign Mbappe, half their fans will love that. 120 million it'll cost, 150 million, double that with his wages, and the fans will laud that. But someone's got to pay for it. Someone has still got to pay for it. And but this is where football's gone way onto a different stratosphere, you know. You know, it's easy to, for me to say, but a salary cap bring Mo I would still play for Liverpool on 100 grand, or he'd have his choice if he was 100 grand a week cap, he'd have his choice of club to go for. He doesn't need 300 grand a week, Paul Pogba doesn't need 400 grand a week. These are way, way, way over inflated wages that someone has to pay for, you know, fans are paying for it through season tickets, but your TV pay, helps pay for it, all the medium, what have you, but it's an, it is an expensive business. So I am playing devil's advocate there and that's why then you ultimately get the chairman and the owners who get greedy for more because Perez wants to sign um, Fernandez and, you know, uh, Salah, Mane, whoever, whoever's the big player, he wants to sign but he needs the money to do it um, and he saw this as an avenue to do that and it, it, this is, a bigger problem than just a Super League is yeah, how, you, how do you stop the wealth of you know, you, you probably can't because it's, you know, players have got an, if, if you if you get offered 200 grand, you're not going to say no, just give me 100. So sure. something somewhere has got to give and I don't know what it is and it might be something that's got to be really harsh and say, listen, that's your salary cap. You choose who you want to play for. If you've got three teams after you and they're all going to pay the same amount then you'll find out if 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 Mo Salah wants to play for Liverpool or, or Real Madrid, or Bruno Fernandez wants to play for Man United or Barcelona. Same wage, but mm. is that unmanageable? Is it impossible? I don't know.
3: And they'll I do look at York City. Well, look
5: at York City players, and you know they've got two pennies rubbed together. You know, yeah. it's so you're looking from different angles, don't you? You know, yeah. one week, one week of Pogba's um, salary would would keep York City afloat. Another team's Bradford Park Avenue. You know, um, so there's, sorry, I've, I've gone way off kilter there now, but in the finances of football uh, are what motivates a lot of the stupidity in the ideas this week, clearly.
3: Mm. No, is and, and fan pressure on, on like, we're about to go, you know, we're about to say, oh, Phil needs to get, you know, fans are saying Phil needs to get his checkbook out to sign so and so and so and so and so and so forth. You know, I, I, we mentioned a dominant centre-half earlier, and I said, you know, he's going to cost money. And you know that obviously puts pressure on Chairman then to deliver, and they you know not all of them are you know oligarchs with you know billions to their name that they can write off or you know there's there's accusations of money laundering I'm not gonna name names there, but you know and stuff like that that've yeah. come through and you know and and there's a there's a guy at Huddersfield who's trying to run it as honestly as he can um but he's obviously not you know not as well well off as some of these guys and you know the money has to come from somewhere to, to deliver so they should
5: i mean ffp came in it was a bit of a farce wasn't it in the end but there's there should be some way of ma- managing teams expenditure versus income well, I mean, the problem with that done is up, the clubs it?
3: It, everything goes to a club vote and the clubs are have only got self-interest at heart every time this is why i'm quite excited by um, you know the, the the government you know I, I don't like boris johnson that much you know you won't find me praising him too much but i do like uh, what they've said about you know the governance of football and looking into it. I think that's a great step forward. And you know, I, I support that fully. You know, I'm I'm not someone who who pins his mask to one you know political party and then hates everything anyone else does. I'll you know yeah. I'll I'll say good, bad war, well, whatever. And I think that's a great move uh from you know from from the government. Something, I really look forward to it. Something
5: needs to happen. Something needs to happen, but whether it will or not.
3: Excellent. Yeah. Uh, shall I throw a uh, a spanner into the works here? Because there's something that I've been not, I will not say keen on, but something that I would have accepted a long time ago, which has come back around now off the back of this, and that is a British Premier League. Uh, I hate the idea of dropping Rangers and Celtic into the Premier League. I, I genuinely hate that idea because it ruins the rest of Scotland. And I, I you know, I'm, uh, my wife's Scottish, you know, uh, my cousin, who's one of my best mates, is, you know, he's, he's half Scottish. He's, he spots Rangers, you know, and he's a, a Scotland fan. You know, my brother-in-law's obviously, a, he goes to watch Scotland. So I care about... Uh, the future of England, Scotland, you know, and Wales and, and, and all of them, really. And for me, the, the Premier League has really sort of kiboshed the SPL and the SPL have really sort of messed themselves up with the TV deal they did with, you know, with going off to Satanta and then Sky, you know, lowballed them. Uh, but I, I care about the future of, of all British football, really. And, and for me, if you dropped Rangers and Celtic into the Premier League, sure, it'd be a great spectacle. Uh, but it would ruin the rest of Scottish football, and it would really cast them off as as minnows forever, and, and that wouldn't be good for anybody. But I rather sadly, many moons ago, created it. <laughs> this is really sad. Sat there and, and spent a couple of evenings on on Football Manager 2012, and I created a, a British league system <laughs> on there, which is still available. But you know, uh, and I would not be against the idea of uh, leagues combining in terms of you know teams have got to earn it through promotion. Obviously, you can't just drop them in. I would not be against the idea of combining, you know, the UK is, you know, joint together. It's not like you join joining the English Premier League and Australian A League, for example. Um, I would not be against this. And I know I would be in the minority for this, you know, in, in terms of maybe in, in this and online. But a sensible approach to um, bringing Scotland and, you know, the and, and potentially Northern Ireland teams into a structure which supported everybody, not just the main ones at the top, which allowed. Teams such as uh, you know, Aberdeen, you know Ross County, whatever to pro to, to progress. Yeah, absolutely. Any everybody, you know, this is this is for everybody, not just for two for two clubs. I would not be against that, and I realise I'm in a minority, but I'd be interested to see to hear what you guys thought briefly on that before we
2: talk as, about our last
1: subject. As someone who has to travel up and down the country to cover games, I, I'm not going to back a move to bringing far-flown yeah. corners of Scotland into the, uh, into the football <laughs> league. Exactly. Oh, thank you very much. Do you mean um, an away
3: day at Wick Academy does not appeal to
1: you? Uh, My father-in-law's an Adrianian's fan, so uh, I've got a bit of vested interest in it myself as well. There, there is the flip argument to it, that if you take Rangers and Celtic out of um, the Scottish Premier League then it suddenly becomes a lot more of a fair playing field for everybody else so it would actually be a much more interesting league to watch as opposed to it just being those two that are battling out every year but financially you would probably lose all the money out of the league wouldn't you so yeah it, there's, there's the opposite way to look at it I suppose just playing devil's advocate but yeah I'm yeah I'm happy with having to travel as far north as Carlisle and as far south as Yorville um, <laughs> at the moment <laughs>
5: I I, I think I think I think I mean I, I've I've my, my whole family is Scottish so Hamilton Accies is it was, it was my, my dad's team and I've been I've been up to see them a few times weirdly in the last few years and
3: need a proper pitch though done in none of this plastic stuff. The stand,
5: yeah, I mean bless them, <laughs> the standard is poor. You know, there's lads literally playing in the Scottish Premier League for Hamilton Accies that couldn't get a game in the English Second Division. Struck National League. York City players have played for Hamilton Hackers in the last two seasons. You've got you've got Rangers and you've got Celtic. And to be honest, you you know one of them's winning the league every season since Scotland's in, in that position where they need the, the rest of the teams need Celtic and Rangers. You, you, you've said it, and you Johnny, you've all said it. Take them out, and that league goes. It's, it's as simple as that. And it's it's not the best standard anyway. Um, and my fear would be that Rangers and Celtic as 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 heavily supported as they are and as, you know, they're massive clubs, they would still need some rich guy to come in. My, my fear would they turn into a, a Sunderland or a Newcastle and then what? You know, Celtic go through the go through the bottom. Um
3: that, That'd be interesting because they've never not had success before. So that'd be quite an interesting... Yeah,
5: you know, yeah. I just think, yeah, I, I think, yeah, a British Cup maybe, but I, I just, I, I think we're, yeah, we're looking at alternatives to you know because because of what's happened this week, out we're thinking of other other ways. But there's not much wrong, you know. The, you know, the, the way of football is, it, it, you may be looking for something that just isn't there. You just know? leave
3: it. Yeah, just maybe yeah. Don't, these geniuses,
5: these, these multi, multi-billionaire businessmen, came up with a plan that was scuppered within thirty-six hours. You know, these are the supposedly the you know clever businessmen, and their idea was was Beaten down pretty much straight away, so yeah, I think we can all look for trying and improving things, but other than tinkering, I, I'm not sure massive changes is I wouldn't say needed, com- but could, can be achieved.
3: Good, some good comments online though, Brady, because Colin Vronchak says uh, he'd love to see us lose two nil away at Airbus UK. Uh, true, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and El well, was... says uh, the new meaning of a rainy Tuesday night in Aberystwyth. So. <laughs>
0: exactly. Well, Matt, I was going to say, you know, um, when six clubs were leaving, we're closer to being a top thirty club down, and now you want to add more teams into it, so we're <laughs> in <laughs> a harder competition. Um, mate. It's
3: what it makes it go round. Yeah. Very
0: true. Yeah, no, it'd be it'd be interesting. I think, like I said, this is a starting point. Um, I, I agree with Donny. Like, I'm not I'm not sure. I think that throws up a lot of questions, and you know. I think that's where you, it, it's a long conversation, but maybe a British Cup. I, I think that'd be a good shout. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? And let's be honest, uh, we're putting the world to rights a lot tonight, but I think that's uh, one that might be a bit too far for us. There yeah. used
3: to be a uh, an English-Scottish uh, Cup, didn't they, in the 1970s, I think. Uh, the quite the quite Fairs important. Cup. The Fairs no, Cup. was it, it Texaco? <gasps> was it Texaco Cup? Was it something? Ah, I can't remember. There was the there was, Anglo? There was a, the Anglo. Um... There was an Anglo-Italian in the 90s, wasn't there? Yes, and then, and a uh, what was the other one? Zenith data systems, which was that just the league cup? I think that was a little yeah, bit before yeah. my time, but there was a there was a cup in the 70s, and I think Huddersfield have played Airdrie and they got beat by Airdrie in this uh, in this cup when we were when we had Frank Worthington, and everybody we didn't. And it shows how Scottish football has gone from being quite strong. We, we had Frank and you yeah. know those other teams, you know, Trevor Cherry, etc., and then we lost 2 0 to Airdrie. So Scottish
5: football did used to be strong, you know, yeah. right throughout the leagues, they had the junior football which fed into the. Professional football and it was a good system, but something went wrong in Scotland, didn't they? You know,
3: money. I think, Dunny. money. Money. Yeah, there you go. Uh, right, so our, drugs, I think. But yeah. Yeah. Our last, uh, our last topic for the evening is a sponsor. I want to tread a bit carefully on this one. Um, so, in light of uh, the European Super League, a, a, a quite a fragile time, if you like, when fans are asking their clubs to be a bit more sensitive to to maybe turn their back on bookies and firms as shirt sponsors. Um, you know that they deem unethical uh which is which is obviously difficult for some because you know sponsorship money a lot of clubs aren't in a position to turn turn down you know sponsorships from uh certain people um town who have supported some really amazing charities this season and given great opportunities to 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 many you know magic rock i I, went and bought a magic rock shirt you know the the shirts are quite cheap so i went and got a magic rock one the other day when i was down at the club you know it looks great you know I, i love that um Town decided um, last night to go with Strikes Limited uh, for, for the game. Uh, a cursory look at their Twitter account of Strikes made for some uncomfortable reading, uh, some abusive tweets towards Alan Sugar, amongst uh, amongst other things in there. Um, some of it a bit unprofessional, uh, of which the company claims they, they were hacked. Um, just going to cough. Excuse me. Um, so... I look at Huddersfield as an area and it's an area which has struggled through um, through COVID. Um, Donny, if you need to get off, that's, that's no problem.
5: I will I will go because it's just starting to get dark and, and um, they want me to <laughs> work my magic on, uh, on the on I hope icon. it's nothing to do
3: with the lights or anything like that. So. <laughs> 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 Conveniently uh, the
1: going,
3: Donny. Yeah. Thank, yeah. thank,
1: thank you. Thank Cheers, Johnny. <laughs> I'll see you soon as <laughs> you to see it, Brady. Thank you. Johnny, coming on. Thanks for having me. Mate. Thank you. Take
5: care, have a good night. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye now.
3: There we go. Uh, right. What a legend, that guy, is he? And um, yeah, so so Huddersfield's an area which um, has been affected by by COVID and the pandemic. There's people that have um, that have struggled throughout the pandemic. People have lost the jobs, uh, been made redundant. Uh, many who worked for Huddersfield Town have been made redundant and lost their jobs as well. You know, that's that's important to remember a lot of people there. So in this climate at this time to go with a debt recovery service as a front of shirt sponsor to me seems Uh, ill-judged I will say it doesn't seem you know that the the, the football club have really felt the temperature amongst the football fans and really kind of had a good gauge of where you know Huddersfield fandom is at Um, you know this the the guy that owns Strikes is a town fan you know he's um, he's sponsored players before he sponsored matches and other things uh, and a bailiff is as legitimate as a company as, as anybody else you know it's it's not you know, he's not a drugs cartel or the mafia or anything like that. Um, but even so, I feel that this is another occasion really whereby those in charge uh, of the club aren't particularly good at feeling what the fans want or where, where the fans want the club to be at this moment in time. You look at the charter of Huddersfield Town Football Club and, and the things that the club is supposed to stand for, the, the working-class club stuff, and I've got nothing against this guy who runs this company, Um if he's been hacked, he's been hacked. If he's not, you know, I'm not going to make any any snap judgments on that at this moment in time. But for me, uh, as a Huddersfield fan, a debt recovery service on the front of a shirt, you know, showing out to, to everybody on follow, doesn't sit very well for me. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, I think maybe six months ago, maybe no one would have battered an eyelid at this, you know, but I think where football is at the moment, I think in terms of the European Super League, um, a mate of mine thinks I'm wrong about this which is fine you know that's absolutely acceptable if you if you don't agree with me um, but I just think that Huddersfield Town have been a bit careless thoughtless um, there's probably a few stronger analogies some people have lost and uh, used uh, and there's the potential to lose support over this as well you've seen people on social media saying do you know what this club is, is not what I thought this club was I don't want to be associated with the club if this is the route that they're going down and Again, for me, it's an own goal. You look at Mark Devlin, for example, and Mark Devlin sat on the Huddersfield Town family-friendly Facebook group, and he sat there and he said, "My daughter works in social media, so she's given me some tips." I don't really see this coming through <laughs> very much. Uh, they deleted the tweet whereby they've gone, you know, stripes, you know, strikes, and I, the, yeah, the whole I thing.
1: just, I just don't get why you tweet about it. I don't like we can talk about the actual it. sponsor itself, but I I spotted the, the tweet myself. I was on my way to get a coffee over at the, the little retail park with Augie when I spotted it and said, What is this? And they do it, you're right, to, to highlight the fact they do some brilliant stuff with charities on their shirts, which a lot of clubs never go anywhere near. So they, they absolutely deserve the credit and the praise for that. But it's not the first time that they've got it wrong with a sponsor, is it, on on a shirt. You know, and, the, Just, and the last time they did it, you mentioned the charter there. I used the charter against um, uh, Sean Jarvis in, in the interview with him afterwards, because the first two things it said were honesty and integrity. And I said, have you been honest and, integ- and had integrity over the last 48 hours, Sean, when the whole Paddy Power situation was kicking off? And you could tell he, he knew they hadn't um listen clubs need money clubs can have sponsors um lots of clubs have betting firms on there and, and that's it's a little bit uncomfortable with me and and i know with a lot of other people the relationship between betting clubs and uh between betting firms and football is far too close um it, yeah it just it just leaves a bit of a bitter taste doesn't it, it just doesn't doesn't sit very well in the mouth
3: yeah do you know i've uh pozza wanted to be on tonight he was all fired up and i said to him do you want to um Send me a voice note and I can put it on. Um, and and he ended up sending me about fifteen different ones, <laughs> on five minutes long. I'm like, mate, I can't put these in. It's an entire podcast. But he did ha- he did put something. And I did want to feed this in as well, just to see what was think about this. Uh, and obviously, he goes by Gingeroga on uh, on YouTube. If you want to follow Poser, so I had to add a little bit of an intro for him because that's my thing, isn't it? <laughs> what
4: was that? Sorry. Sorry, carry on. Anyway. ogres have layers.
6: Another example last night, another dropped bollock, if you will, with regards to the sponsor. Uh, I mean, before I sort of move on to that, there's absolutely a place for bailiff companies in this world. Um, Don't have a problem with anybody who is a bailiff or works in that sector at all. Um, I've used bailiff companies at work, and, you know, the generally good guys who are are doing a difficult job in, in difficult circumstances afterwards. But, you know, the sponsor we had last night seems a little bit different. Again, fans, other people found stuff out about that company within a very short space of time. Why did the club not just do some basic checks? Not on this particular sponsor as its own, but all of them. You know, does the company that we're putting on the front of our shirts align with the values of the club? Um, you know, there's been an article this morning saying that the owner of said business has come out and said they got hacked. I find that very hard to believe, um, given given the tweets that were in there. Uh, mixed in with promotional tweets in between all the you know the nonsense that it was spouting. Um, also, he stated that he's been unable to get into that account for I think two years. He said, but it suddenly sort of just disappeared. You know that that doesn't really seem that doesn't really seem like that's that's right. Um, but you know. Check it from there. But still, you know, we're in this position again because of uh, poor work in the summer, not getting an actual season-long sponsor. They brought in this this idea, which I actually think were a really good idea, really good for small businesses and local businesses to have a chance to have their name on the front of the shirt. But again, something's gone wrong and we've just executed it so poorly. I mean, it takes 10 minutes worth of Googling, do a little bit due diligence on this. You know, I and mean, if you find things you don't like, say, thank you very much, thanks, but no thanks. Do they not care? Were they happy just to take their money and bang any name on the front of a shirt? Could have been a whole lot worse if that's the case. Um, again, it's worrying, certainly to myself and I know many other fans, that so many errors just keep happening. And do they know the feeling? Do they know the strength of this feeling? Do they know that it's growing within the fan base? You know, there's a lot of very, very good people that work at that football club. I put a put a tweet out this morning saying similar. Um, but at the moment they're just everything that is good that they're doing is just being dragged down and, and pulled down by those above. And, and do they even know, does Phil know what's going on? Does Mark Devlin know? You know, as people who are the, the top people in the club, do they know what's actually going on? Um, I think when season cards, you know, I know they are on sale, but I think the sales will be through a massive shock as a fan all you need is a little bit of hope you know if that's what you need you need that hope to go down and park with your 250 quid with your 300 quid at the moment for me absolutely no hope whatsoever nothing to cling on to nothing to be proud of you know what's it, what's it going to be then um
3: all right brady do you want to take us away with uh thoughts from uh from the ogre, and that was from Shrek. Obviously, the uh, I, I did rush something together about how Poser's got layers of opinion. It's a really bad joke. I won't do that again. I promise.
0: Sorry, mate, and that's why it caught me <laughs> out. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. I thought it was going to go straight to Paza. um so it threw me off. Um, I think Poser's hit the nail on the head there for me. He's, he's covered a lot of stuff. I, I, the thing is, if this was a one-off. Um, not just, oh, there's, a, there's a lot of mistakes happening at a club Um and everyone makes mistakes. You know, it happens, I make mistakes and, and my job, I make mistakes on this podcast, which uh, you're quick to, to make people aware
3: of, Matt. I just um, made but, one a minute ago with that dodgy intro. So there we go.
0: Exactly. Um, But it just, it again, I suppose it's on your personal, personal beliefs and how you feel. It doesn't sit right with me. I think it's a bad look, like you say, when they've had to furlough their own staff um that's not to knock those companies again like the, this isn't a politics podcast um but yeah it, it's, it's just not really a good look for me I think just you know I've worked in market I work in marketing I just think the market the thinking of that from a market perspective like that is just gonna go wrong um they always do do the looking good tweet to whoever a sponsor it is but again it's like brainless. The, it's again thinking you're opening yourself up to backlash. Um, it, again, it's like we've no well, Gosy bangs on about the social media every week. But again, it's like quick to talk about the positive stuff, but um, the negative stuff they try and hide. You know, like again, when we've got beat seven nil, they wouldn't even put the score, you know, on on the social media. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't like having gambling companies on. Um, I think Johnny was right to have a go at Sean Jarvis about the Paddy Power thing. I think that was that was awful optics, just relegated after one of the worst seasons and, oh, let's let's take the mick out of Huddersfield Town. Um, it's just... It's, it's disappointing, really, um, for me, and I don't want to get too much into it and go on a rant, but um, it, it's a small thing, um, and maybe it seems like I'm blowing it out of proportion, but I think given what's happened with this club in the last three years on and off the pitch, it's just another one of those things that um, because things aren't going well on the pitch and off the pitch, it it just adds to it and it's it's not a good look. Mm. Uh,
3: Look at some of the comments coming through uh, as well. Um, Colin Fronchak says he loves Ian Dunne. He was nearly squashed to death in the cowshed when he uh, smashed in that fourth versus Carlisle in the Autoglass Trophy. That was one day, was that uh, Brady? Obviously, I don't think you were born, you whippersnapper. And uh, Ian Dunn scored uh, against Carlisle in the 4 1, the, the, the northern area final, and he, he spun on the edge of the box, he, he hit it left footed into the top corner, and I was right behind it in the, the cowshed. It's one of the you know, sort of the happiest memories you take as a child, so it's it's great to have Dunny on whenever we can as well. Uh, but Cole actually makes a, a really good point here where he says, club should the club should offer. Uh, free sponsorship space to a debt charity like step change as a response there, just to kind of own the, own the mistake that they've made. I think that's a really good point. And I Mm. think that would go some way to just kind of saying, do you know what? Maybe not. And I do feel, I feel a little bit for those involved with the other company as well at the same time, because they're probably getting a bit of stick at the same time. Uh, But I think that would be a positive step as well, uh, Brady. Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, I think, you know, like I said, we all make mistakes, have a goal and up to it. Um, and I think um, what Colin said, I think that'd be a great thing to do. Um, again, I think it's just a bit of a wider point. Like I, I, We don't come on this to criticise town every week because we're all town fans and we want them to do well. So, um, like I say, I, I think it's just, uh, I hope, again, with a lot of things, it's it's a chance to learn and to learn from her mistakes and can, you know, come on a good path now um, with a lot of things and, you know, this is a small thing from it. Um, but anyway, we've been on long enough so I'll show up.
3: Yeah. Let's, let's give uh, everyone else the final word. Uh, John Smith says it was the home nations cup uh, was the England, Scotland uh, yeah. thing. I think. Uh, uh, yeah. That rings a bell. Uh, Cole says the Zenith was another cup to replace European games during the Heysel ban. So that's interesting to know. I didn't know that uh steve blackburn says i won't be surprised if phil gets us to wear babe station on it next because we're getting shafted <laughs> which i uh, appreciate the joke john Shaw says it was like when newcastle had Wonga on their shirts no one seemed to notice the irony of millionaires running about with a payday long copy advertised on the chest which you know good point there john uh yeah so and then um, james whittaker's on so you can catch james on the preview show with brady as well um which uh, well, you've got a good preview show out for Blackburn as well, uh, which has dropped this morning, which is great. Um, another aspect of this is the company specialised in traveller enforcement. Is this an appropriate way to uh, talk about a, a an ethnic minority? Uh, would it be permitted if it was any other racial group? And again, it opens up different cans of worms, doesn't it, when you look at that. And I think it just goes to what Poser said about due diligence. Um, you know, just two minutes on social media there would say, do you know what? Um, Maybe we shouldn't put this on the front of the shirt. So hopefully there's a response from from Huddersfield Town. um, Yeah, and and boasting about evictions as well on social media. Not a good look. So hopefully there's a a suitable response from Huddersfield Town on this. Um, If not, uh, then potentially that could, uh, well, it will alienate a lot more people from the football club who've perhaps found themselves (laughs) or found that it's not as much to their liking as maybe what it used to be. And, you know, it also proves that football is not just about results. It's also about how uh you know your priorities and your feelings align with a football club as well, and you know there, there's more to it than than results on the pitch, and hopefully huddersfield town will will turn this around so uh, last word to you guys, have you got anything else that you would like to round up on, or should we just let everybody have a rest after it was going off on one for a, this amount of time
0: um no, the well, I'll try and end it on the positive. Now, uh, listen to the preview show because uh, that Blackburn fan uh, was just thinks we're going to win. It's, uh, like he's convinced. Just uh, good lad, so, is Ryan, uh, isn't he? Yeah, he's a good lad, Ryan uh, from Rover's chat. Um, so yeah, if that doesn't cheer you up, um, we've got a good chance of getting three points. Um, so let's let's hope we do on Saturday.
1: And you've got Dunny there as well, the good luck
3: Exactly. There you go. That's all you need. There we go. And so here's to uh, hopefully a a winning performance on Saturday. So thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to you guys online. There's been some really good chat, uh, and hopefully we've uh, we've broached those subjects, uh, uh, you know, to to everybody's uh, satisfaction on either side. Mm -hmm.
4: There's a team that is dear to its followers. The colors are bright blue and white. They're a team of renown, they're the pride of the town. And the game of football is dead alive.